Well, good morning, Dunbar Heights family. It's good to be with you. And if you don't know, I'm Dave Little, and I am the associate pastor of youth and young adults here at Dunbar. And it's uh, so great to see some youth and uh, young adults amongst us, not only because I love you, but also it gives me the opportunity to share stories of when I was young. So that is part of what I'll do. And sorry, but I will. Um, But friends, uh, as you know, and as Pastor Wes has just said, we are entering back into our uh, series in Matthew. You know, God's kingdom come, your kingdom come. And uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, though, we have been in this amazing series on vision, on who we are going to be as God's people. And we want to be those people that are constantly being renewed and bringing life and flourishing to our society. Now, our passage today speaks of the need for that new life, and in the light of so many of our fears and anxieties, a healing and a peace that only Jesus can bring and that we get to share. Now, now story time, because that's what I want to do. Story time. When I was a teen, um, I fancied myself as a a bit of an actor, right? Uh, I thought I was a pretty big deal, and I liked to be up in front of people. Surprise. Um, Now, when I was in high school, uh, I was part of a group. We called it a troupe, yeah? And we performed uh, in a bunch of different uh, schools, elementary schools, and there was this one time, and this is where the story is, there was this one time where we were performing The Three Little Pigs, but not only that, it was a anti-smoking show, and I was the, the big bad wolf who like smoked, and then I was huff and puff, but then my lungs weren't good enough, and anyways, that's, you get the idea. <laughs> that's not the point of the story. Uh, but the fact is, I, I thought, okay, here I am, this is great, we're doing this great performance, but I didn't realize this one school we were visiting, this TV crew shows up, like this kind of national TV crew shows up to the performance. So I'm thinking, fame and fortune for me, right? I'm going to get discovered. I don't know what I was thinking. So here we are in the middle of this performance, which I've done I don't know how many times, so many times. And what happens? I get so worried, so anxious, so freaked out that I actually forget all my lines, every single one of my lines, right out of my head. And so here I am posturing as the big bad wolf, and I can't remember a single line. And so the three little pigs in the house had to whisper my line, each single line to me, so I could say the line, and then they could say their line back. Now, on the outside, it looked fine. The TV crew didn't see anything wrong. But on the inside, reality was I was a complete mess. And that's just one example of my journey, my personal journey with worry and anxiety. And as a young adult, I got so panicky that I could just kind of fall apart. And I would get fearful about all sorts of things about life, but particularly about death. Now, just before I became a Christian, and some of you have heard this story, I was in that space, that really dark and worried and fearful and anxious space. And it felt like there was no way out. So what does Jesus say to someone like me, to someone who's on a journey with anxieties and fears? What does Jesus say to bring healing and restoration and renewal in the midst of worry? What does Jesus say? Well, we get our passage today, don't we? Let's listen to God's word from Matthew chapter 25, verses, uh, 6, verses 25 to 34. 
starting at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is God's word. Amen. So the way we're going to look at this amazing passage, this incredible passage in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, is looking at how Jesus is kind of giving us three types of questions. The first is this, why worry? Why are you bothering worry? Why worry? The second is kind of a how much more? He's leading us into place. How much more? How much more, God? How much more than your cares? How much more? And thirdly, and it's kind of the leading question, I think, what now, after hearing all of this, is your ambition, your goal, your life, your big care? What now is your big care? Now, just before we dive in, I think it's incredibly helpful to remember that just before our passage, Jesus has spoken about treasure. Do you remember this? I know it was a long time ago, you know, treasure in heaven. Do you remember this? But just before this passage, Jesus is talking about treasure, what we ultimately value, how we have this earthly and, and perishable treasure, right? Things that, that rot and get stolen and we can be fearful of, money and, and, and stuff, and that's, that's kind of a picture of kind of idolatry, putting, putting your heart and your love into those things, basically idolatry. And obviously, those, those can, things we can lose. Or, or we can look at heavenly treasure, heavenly treasure, eternal treasure, and serve God. Now, listen to these words just before our passage. Jesus concludes these thoughts that he's talking about in these ways. Verse 21 for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very famous, right? You, you, you know these lines. Now, if God is your treasure in heaven, your heart will rest with him, right? And verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So you and I have to choose whom we serve or love most. It's not to say we can't enjoy the things that money brings us. No. But what are we serving and loving the most? Money or God? So we have this contrast, and it's really helpful, this contrast going into our passage. Worldly values and heavenly values. So hopefully that helps set us up. So the first big question, why worry? 
Why, why do we worry? Where is this anxiety and, and worry coming from? Why should we be so concerned that Jesus is saying, don't worry? What, what's so big a deal? Listen to Jesus. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, worldly and heavenly values, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Hear those words. Now, as I, I hope we lean into this treasure in heaven and loving and serving God. I hope this passage makes a little more sense. Jesus is laying out right here. He's laying out these day-to-day cares, these basic necessities, eat, drink, clothes, very simple needs. This is these straightforward needs. So, so why worry? Now, worry. Isn't worrying just kind of caring about something? Maybe it's just bent out a little bit of shape, right? What's, what's the big deal of the caring? Does it just mean caring so much, right? right? It seems good, right? It seems good at first to, to plan, to prepare, to think carefully about something. But doesn't worry and anxiety, it seems to be that, that care that gets misdirected. It gets out of proportion. It seems to be in a place where we don't feel secure or safe. And isn't often anxiety and fear, this future orientation. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Now, some of you, like, like me, may tend towards a bit more anxiety, a bit more worry. Now, some of us might have uh, anxiety disorders or, or diagnoses. That Jesus, what he's saying in our passage, definitely applies. It's helpful But remember, Jesus is talking about the day-to-day cares, and he brings those heavier anxieties that that many of us experience on a longer journey of healing and restoration and renewal. He gives us the tools, even now, that will be helpful. It helps us to work through these anxieties and fears and cares that just get too big for us. He's speaking into that, but remember, it's a longer journey was for me, for sure. Now, if we look at our main day-to-day cares of life, food, drink, body, drink, right? I care about having a not sore throat. Does this not, though, reflect our current culture? Food, drink, body. Everywhere you look, everywhere I look, There's a pressure to drink a certain drink, to have a certain food, to have it a certain way, right? And to wear a certain type of clothing. We're constantly bombarded with the anxieties of eating and drinking what's cool or right and looking good. Clearly, I have no problem because I dress a little bit like Pastor West today with the sweater. (laughs) But young people especially, listen to this. Because we're so digitally connected, and, and there's so much good to that, isn't there? So much good. We're, we're able to hear the latest things that are happening on the mission field, for example. And we can be uh, informed of the latest news. And, and we can find out all these new discoveries and grow. It's, it, it can be so fantastic. But with all these connections, we can also feel so much more pressured to look a certain way, act a certain way. And that's, that's not sort of conscious sometimes. We just feel the pressure. We just do those things. But, and I don't know about you, 
but right now it feels impossible to keep up with all the trends. Even if I'm just knowing about them, feeling like I just can't keep up with all those trends and issues, or what do I need to champion and what do I need to denounce? I, don't, I can't remember all the things I need to cancel or not, right? But Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. We worry so much about our lives. And Jesus isn't just sharing some airy-fairy, don't worry, be happy kind of thing. As great a song as that is, I love the song, but he's not just sharing some sort of pie-in-the-sky kind of thing. Because the crowds that Jesus is speaking to, they know poverty. They know day-to-day hunger and thirst and loss. But there were also some very wealthy amongst them that maybe weren't worried about getting food and drink and clothing, but maybe they were worried about losing it, losing their status, right? Jesus isn't dismissing caring for our lives about food and drink and clothing. He's not dismissing that. No, he, he actually, in the examples, he's saying hard work is a good thing. Responsibility is a good thing. No, it's how we care about our lives, Now again, story time, because I like the story times. Now, in so many ways, when I was talking about that dark place, when I became a Christian, God really rescued me, healed me from so many of my anxieties and fears. And I've definitely had an incredible journey with good counsel and so much prayer, so much prayer, right? But even with that healing, Even with that healing, I can still get tripped up in worry and anxiety about life. So this week, this week while I'm working on this passage, this week, this very week, right? I'm reading about Jesus saying, do not be anxious, do not be worried, right? I'm reading this week. This is the week I move, of course. This is the, so I had movers coming. So, okay, no problem, movers coming. I've got, I've got some friends who are going to come, going to help move the fragile stuff that I don't want the movers to move, right? right? And I had to sort and clean and box and, and sort and, and clean and box and, and clean and sort and box and, and box and box and clean and sort over and over again, right? So all those things. But guess what? The rest of life also kept going, right? I still did foster care. I still had a wonderful church life with all of you. I still had to keep up with friends and family and so much more. So what happened? Dot, dot, dot. I got stressed. I got anxious. I got worried. Now, it wasn't on purpose. I wasn't like, oh, I'm setting out to just hyper-focus on this moving thing or this other thing. No. But what ended up happening is my care and concern about planning and preparing became all out of proportion, completely misdirected, and I got trapped in it. I was in that sort of idle territory, if you know what I mean, where I was taking valuing these small things as greater than the value I have for spending time with God, listening to God, knowing God. I lost my main focus. And my worry, like most of ours, is that cycle of inner fretting. You can just kind of get trapped in that space in your mind over and over again. It's hard to get out. Now, I know for my brother, when he has that, he kind of actually under 
kind of, he underperforms. He actually kind of sort of says, nope, too much, and he kind of goes into himself. And that's a lot of us. I am the annoying opposite. <laughs> I actually hyper-focus and hyper-function, right? I like, I have too much to do, but I'm going to do it all. And then what happens? I can't do it all, right? And then I kind of collapse. So, what do you guess happened this week? I got sick, right? Yeah, probably a lot from the worry and anxiety. And as you know, when your body kind of gets messed up with that, then you're really susceptible to getting sick. Now, feeling sick and anxious, what was Jesus' answer to me this week? What was his answer to me? What is his answer to you when you fall into the traps of worry and anxiety? He says, how much more? How much more than you think? How much more does God? Dot, dot, dot. How much more than all the cares that you have, all the things that seem so big to you right now? How much more? What I need to do and what you need to do when we get into that space of worry and fear and anxiety and focusing and hyper-focusing on those things so we need to substitute that care for God's care in something far more than we can comprehend. Now, remember that Jesus has already led us to understand where our treasure is. Remember, we're talking about treasure, when we treasure heaven and treasure God, right? That's where our hearts are going to be. My heart's treasuring my moving or whatever it is, Right? Listen to Jesus as he breaks down our worries and anxieties and provides a better story, a better way. And as we look at this passage, let's take a look at how much more. How much more? How much more value is our life than our worries of food and drink and clothing? How much more? Listen, verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Wow. As we start to treasure God and heaven, and eternal things, you and I will start to see our lives as more, as more than the daily grind of the, the good things that we do, more than the day-to-day -day fears and anxieties and worries as well. And to give us right perspective, and I love this, Jesus points to creation. He points to creation. And I can hear the leaves rustling outside. It's really awesome. Points to creation. And he gives us a glimpse and so the way God has ordered this world, he is the creator and sustainer. Look at the birds. Now, I love this. Observe them. That's what he's saying. Look at them. Be a good scientist. Examine carefully and discover how they're able to live. Unlike any good farmer, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns or go to the grocery store. No, no. Yet God definitely cares. It says he cares for them and sustains these creatures. And Jesus answers, how much more valuable are you made in the image of God than they? 
And God clearly values these creatures. And just as we are called to also value them, but how much more does God value your life? And I, I need us to stop and hear this, friends. Look at the birds of the air. Do they not, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, now right after this, he drops this straight truth. He kind of just drops it in, this straight truth about worry and fears, about misdirected care and concern rolling around in our life. Listen to this, verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's just a little logical. Worry, anxiety, does that actually add to your life? Does Does that add some real quality to your life? No, it actually subtracts. What's the first thing? Honestly, what's the first thing that happens to your body when you start to worry? You tense up, don't you? You start to get tense. Your whole body kind of reacts. I, I get headaches. I don't know about anyone else. But worry, does it add anything to our life? Does it improve our lives? Now, we might respond by over-functioning and, and maybe having a bit of a breakdown or under-functioning and, and maybe trying to escape. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I, I, I can't deal with this. And I don't know about you, you probably have some beautiful ways of, of trying to get away from those things. And I find uh, being out in nature, which we'll talk about in a second, also listening to music, so wonderful. So to just get my mind off of those things, fantastic ways of, of helping. But does the, those things solve the anxieties? Maybe they get us away from them for a bit. But Jesus wants to give us some big solutions. Again, I think Jesus is teaching us, as his disciples, the dangers of worry. But he's also leading us out of our fears, out of our anxiety, even out of our idolatry of making small things into ultimate things. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon, not even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. Again, like food and drink, caring too much about clothing, what we appear or look like, how much more value is your life? And I get it, especially if you're a young person, uh, clothing can be a kind of big deal. Uh, It can, a way of expressing yourself and even a way of being part of a group. And I know for myself, having just the right hoodie is kind of important. (laughs) I know this. But Jesus isn't saying, he is not saying, don't look good or be creative. He's not saying don't do that. In fact, the example he uses involves natural beauty that rivals even the most splendid, glorious of Israel's kings. Look again. Look at the world God created like a scientist. Examine the evidence. Birds are amazing. Flowers, wow. Now, I'm a very amateur gardener, right? Uh, And during the season of COVID, it's been, there's a lot of pressure, right? There's all these things coming at me at once, and I'm sure for you as well. And I've really actually appreciated my little garden with my wildflowers, and I have some sunflowers, kind of like the sunflowers out back here of the church, very beautiful. And there's just something looking at them and watching how birds and bugs and bees all come and are attracted to, to these beautiful flowers. It's such a joy seeing that. 
And Jesus is saying, look, look at what's happening there. Natural beauty far outweighs anything we can put on or try to impress anyone to fit in. Verse 28, again, and so why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed or adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus says, if God addresses and adorns the flowers, which don't worry or fret about their looks like me, maybe, right? But with such splendor and even useful grasses, which are temporary, how much more will God take care of you? And he kind of adds this, oh, you of little faith. Is that kind of a burn on us? Like, oh, you guys have nothing. No, I think this is actually Jesus pushed to us to think bigger, to have bigger faith, greater faith, much more. Think much more of God. Our view and trust of God can be so small. How much more powerful is God? How much more loving is God? How much more caring? How much more caring is God? Jesus wants to grow our faith bigger than our worries. And how much more care does he have as our heavenly father? Our heavenly father. I don't want us to miss this. Look back at the passage and how Jesus not only corrects our faith that can be too small, yeah, all of us could admit that, right? But how much God, our Heavenly Father, values and cares for us. Look at verse 26 and verses 31 and 32. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear for the pagans or, or the, the Gentiles or basically the world? The world runs after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. How much more God, our heavenly father, he will take care of us. And so what a contrast we have. Jesus is giving us this amazing contrast. Do we live as Christians with a how much more? Or do we look like the rest of the world? Right? When we have this small faith in God, our worries become so big. And they become our idols. They become those ultimate things. Where we place these huge values on them that they can't sustain. Yes, food and, and drink and clothing and life in general, but also all the things like homework and friends and family and work. All these things, instead of us taking them in, they actually begin to consume us. They begin to consume our thoughts, our future, our focus. Now let Jesus speak tenderly to us right now. Yes, sometimes we can feel like our faith is too small and these worries are so big. But listen, your heavenly Father 
feeds them, how much more valuable are you than they? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, all over the Gospels, Jesus is reminding you that you and He share belonging to our heavenly Father. We are His children. We've sung about that. He is a Father who knows us, who loves us. He's a Father who sends His Son to the cross for your sins and for mine. He is a heavenly Father who knows every need we have before we do. And He is a heavenly Father whose desire it is to give good gifts to His children. We belong to Him as our our Father and as His children. And He is the Father who sends His Son to bring us freedom from our greatest fears of life, which we're talking about, and even death. He is a Father in heaven who is perfectly holy and just, and also, just remember this, fatherly. He wants to father you out of your fear and worry, whether the needs are like food and drink and clothing, or simultaneously our deepest spiritual fears and worries and needs. I love this. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says. He kind of sums up, in a sense, some action to what all of this means. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 6, he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And listen to this. Listen to this beautiful verse. Cast all your cares on him. Cast all your anxieties and your worries on him because he cares for you. So good. He's the only one who can handle this care in the right way. We, We mess it up, but he's the only one who can handle that care. And it says, cast it on him, throw it on him, give it up to him. All our misdirected, out of proportion, low trust care that can be given to him. He's our heavenly father. He's trustworthy with it. And what's one beautiful way we can do that? Just one beautiful way. Well, Jesus shares just a few verses earlier when he teaches us to pray. Our father in heaven, holy is your name. Give us this day, this day our daily bread. Pray. We can pray. And it's such a good way of bringing our cares, casting our cares on God. Now, Jesus kind of continues this amazing idea that how much more, how much more, how much more. He's leading us to a place to question. And this, it's this kind of final summary question that Jesus wants us to think about, to consider. Now that you know you have a loving, heavenly Father who knows your needs, who values and cares for you, how does this change our direction? Well, now we can ask the question, what is now your ambition, your priority? What's actually now your big care, the big care of your life? Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
And all these things, all your cares, all these things will be given to you as well. I want to read that again to us. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus sums up what he's been talking about all along. If we seek first this world, we seek first ourselves, we're going to get trapped. We're going to get in that place of worry, of overcare, of misdirected care, of out of proportion care. That's just the way it goes. The fear of the future, the over planning, over preparing, misdirected, wrong perspective of what we care for. That's just what happens. And Jesus is saying, stop focusing on yourself, on the worries of this world, and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Again, God knows your needs. And as you do this beautiful work of seeking him first, he will meet your needs. He is your heavenly Father who loves you. Now, he's not saying don't work hard. He's not saying don't be responsible. Birds are very sort of hardworking. Yes, (laughs) they're working all the time. He's not saying don't be hardworking. He's saying don't just be lazy. And he's not saying don't be responsible for those around you. Don't care about it. No. He's saying how do you do that? Well, he's saying there's nothing to worry about when you trust your heavenly Father. Now, what's he saying He's saying kingdom and righteousness, seeking first kingdom and righteousness. Now, these two things go together hand in hand. They're they're not really that separable, but I think there's two different beautiful ideas being expressed here. Kingdom. Now, when you first hear this, some of you may be thinking, that's a pretty old school word. Um, That's a very Bible-y kind of word. Put God's kingdom first? Well, it's basically saying put God first. Put God first, looking to Him before anything else. Putting His rule over your life. His mission first. Growing in faith first. Obedience to Him first. Praising Him first. Putting Jesus, who is the King of the kingdom, first. And when you do that, and this is why this is the beautiful summary, when you do that, what starts to happen? You start to shift from inward, right? That rolling around fretting, inward to upward. It takes those cares and leads them out. From being fearful of life and death in the future to listening to the hope of the kingdom that Jesus is here, he has come, and he will come again. Gives us perspective on life. It's not just life now, but it's eternal life that we can have. We can have hope. We can trust God with our future, even the trouble. And there's the thing. Jesus is very realistic. Even the trouble that will come. And right after this verse, he tells us the trouble will come, right? And reminds us that we still have God's care even under the trouble that will happen. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We're not going to escape trouble. We're not going to escape hard times. But Jesus is saying, seeking first the kingdom puts tomorrow in its place. There's enough grace for today, and there will be enough grace for tomorrow. Put it in its place. Give it to him. So good. Now, friends, uh, I've said a whole lot. 
and uh, I, want, I want us to, to stay, stay on track. I know it, it's, it's hard to, these are big ideas, and it's, it's kind of getting us kind of probably worked up a little bit. And when I say, okay, also righteousness, you're like, oh, another kind of maybe bible word. And yes, righteousness is a big idea. It's, it's all about justice and goodness and, and right actions and being made right with God through Jesus on the cross. That's really good. But here, I want us to hear this. This is actually quite beautiful. I think that in this context, you've got the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I think this is basically the righteousness is the actions of the kingdom of God. It's kingdom of God put into practice in your life. Isn't that good? This putting first God's kingdom and the actions of the kingdom first, that's going to be what takes out anxieties. Now, here's the thing. I read and, and kind of heard from a lot of experts on anxiety, and I don't claim to be an expert. What, what they did say is anxiety tends to be contagious. Now, you've probably experienced that, right? Someone with a, a bit of anxiety comes in the room, boom, you start to feel it. Or someone on TV starts to be anxious about something, boom, how many people feel it? Or someone is anxious online, boom, you feel it, right? That is contagious, right? It's so easy to get caught up in that. But God's way of righteous practice, of his kingdom righteous practice, is the witness of the way of the gospel of Jesus, how he's changed our hearts to, to, to tr- from treasuring the world to treasuring our heavenly Father and, and heaven and eternity. And what happens when you, when you treasure heaven, when you treasure Jesus, when you treasure his salvation, something happens to your heart because it's with God peace and calm and shalom. He brings that to our soul. Now, we may still get worked up as we do. All personalities are different. But he brings something to our soul that can actually be given to others, can be shown and witnessed to others. And just like anxiety can be contagious, you know what else can be given and shared and and witnessed? The peace and the calm, and the trust in Jesus. That righteousness can be given to others, and it can be this incredible impact on the world. And that's what we can be to bring some of that flourishing of society, right? Let me end with this one last story. Um, I was trying to think of an example of this kingdom and righteousness thing. There's so many, uh, and I was like, well, I could bring it from my own life because I like to do that. But here's just a little taste of something. Um, as I kind of look out there, there's all sorts of fears and worries uh, all around us, so many. And and one of the big ones, especially uh, that our young people are telling us about and trying to teach us about, is worry about the climate. And no matter where you are on that, we can tell that we often take the resources that God gives us and mess them up completely. (laughs) So no matter what you think about that, that's kind of what we do. And here's the thing. Uh, How do we bring God's kingdom and righteousness to this fear? to this worry about what's going to happen to our world, what's going to happen to the day-to-day, our lives here, our, what can our people going to be able to eat or drink or even, you know, have the right kind of clothing to manage the, the climate and all that kind of thing. All those fears are happening. But I love this, this beautiful mission and organization called Arasha. Now, you may not have never have heard of it. Uh, some of our, our young adults have because we're actually going to go there next month and do a volunteer day. Basically, the one that's close by here, it's an international mission, but the one close by here is basically a farm. 
but it doesn't just operate as a farm that serves the community, and it doesn't just operate as a really incredible kind of environmental studies and teaching facility, but it also is a mission. It's also this beautiful mission. And the folks, the missionaries, I can call them, who, who lead this organization, they love Jesus. They put his kingdom first. They love his word. They want to hear what God has to say to them. They want to pray and praise God. This is a, a, a mission that, that loves and wants to put the kingdom first. But they want to live in that righteousness. They want to live that out. They want to practice the kingdom where they're at. And what I've observed, it's really cool, they interact with the scientific community, the, the Christian communities, the local communities, the indigenous communities, and they work together. They work together. And this organization brings just a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of peace and the calm and the righteousness of God wherever they go. And it's amazing what happens. Um, just a couple of years ago, I heard a National Geographic photographer, and they're not known for their like, yay, Christian stuff. A National Geographic photographer look at Arash and say, this is an incredible organization that does good. And if any of you know who Margaret Atwood is, incredible writer, but she doesn't have a whole lot of nice things to say about religious things. She loves Arasha. Why is that? Because, I think, they're bringing God's kingdom and righteousness. Wherever they go, they're bringing the peace and the calm and the love of Jesus in such a way that is attractive and brings glory to God. Now, that's just one little example and maybe an encouragement for our young adults to go to the volunteer day um, next uh, month, which will be awesome. Now, let me read this beautiful summary that Jesus says to us again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Now, as we conclude, as we wrap up, what have we, what have we looked at? Well, why worry? And there are plenty of reasons to worry, aren't there? Things that we care about, but they get misdirected. They lose perspective, and we don't trust or feel safe with them. But Jesus tells us, there's much more, so much more. How much more does God have in store for us? How much more are we valued than we can imagine? How much more our Heavenly Father cares for us? And we can cast all our worries and cares on Him. And finally, what's, what's now our ambition, our, our big care? What's the biggest care we can have? Well, it says, is it to seek our selfish ways or instead to seek his kingdom first and his righteousness? And know and remember that all our needs will be taken care of because he's the God of all creation who created and sustains. Now, as we wrap up, I love this. Uh, the Apostle Paul takes all the beautiful teaching of Jesus on this. And he's leading the church and he's saying, listen, I know you're worried. I know you're anxious. I know you're fearful. But there's a place you can, you can deal with that, and that's the cross of Christ. But there's an action that Jesus has when you give and you turn over all your anxieties and fears to him. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to us that Jesus does for us as we give him our anxieties and fears. And I'll end with this, Philippians chapter 4, and you know this. These are beautiful verses. Maybe you've memorized them. I certainly have. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Ooh, today, be thankful God takes care of it. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And listen to what Jesus does as you do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen.